they're doing a, a big loop, say a quarter of a mile out there, and they're starting to about a half circle back towards me, and then the dog, I'm yelling and screaming at the dogs to turn around and look the right way. Hey, how's it going, everyone? Welcome back for another episode of the Falconry Told podcast, brought to you in part by the fine folks at Marshall Radio, the makers of the most carefully engineered and reliable tracking system available. For more information on their products, including the awesome GPS system, head to marshallradio.com, and also by the Falconry Fund. And the Falconry Fund is a nonprofit organization that's dedicated to supporting and protecting the various arts and practices of falconry and the cultural and environmental assets that make it possible. For more information on the Falconry Fund and the different projects that they have going on and to donate, just head to falconryfund.org. And what you just heard was a little bit of a teaser for one of the really cool stories that you'll hear towards the end of this podcast which is the third podcast in the New Mexico Falconer Association series. And this episode is with Greg Rayburn. And uh, I found this episode to be especially cool because he is one of the falconers that uh, dirt hawks, jackrabbits with uh, jeer falcons. And this is a particular topic that we did discuss more in this episode and has been something that I've been pretty interested in for a while and kind of uh, a little bit of a fantasy for me at the moment because of where I live and who knows, I'll probably never get a chance to practice this, uh, this aspect of falconry myself, but you never know. Regardless, it was nice hearing more information about it and uh, it's definitely got me intrigued and looking forward to seeing it for myself at some point. But uh Without any further ado, I think we're going to jump right into this third episode in this New Mexico Falconer Association series, and I hope you guys enjoy it as much as I did. So, I've got a few more of these for you all, and looking forward to delivering them to you over the next uh, month, month and a half here. So, without further ado, we will jump into this episode now with Greg Rayburn. Thank you, Greg, for uh, for joining us, and appreciate you, you know, taking some time out of your your schedule to do this along with your your other New Mexico um, fellow falconers. And like I said, I, I appreciate you you coming up and making the drive. And and uh, so we were just talking a bit ago. Like what um, where, where what exactly started you off in all this? Where did you start? Where where did you live initially before you you came to New Mexico? So, uh, I lived in New Jersey, and um, when we were 14, when I was 14 years old, uh, we moved out to Albuquerque, and my dad was a Westerner. He was born in Kansas, and so was I, and he was just dying to get off the East Coast and get out West, and man, when we uh, came into Albuquerque, it was just... I thought, oh, this is the coolest place ever. I just loved it immediately. The, the scenery, the open spaces, you know, and I could get out and walk around and hike and hunt. And so I just loved New Mexico from, from the very beginning. And uh, I guess my interest in, in uh, falconry really started with interest in birds of prey. 
I didn't know about falconry. And anytime National Geographic came on, Walt Disney, anything to do with birds of prey, I was on it. And I was watching it and, and I just absorbed everything I could. And then uh, I think I was about 16 in high school and a kid came and he brought a raptor in. I think it was a marsh hawk. And he did a you know show and tell. We were in high school. And uh, that's when I found out, oh, you know, about falconry and a little bit. So, you know, I was, oh, I was interested in hunting and, and uh, plus the fact that you could hunt with birds of prey just seemed like the coolest thing ever. So, um, you know, by the time I was old enough to, you know, build a muse and, uh, have a place where I could get the bird set up, I did it. So that was about 1978. And uh, of course, like everybody else, started off with a red tail, or almost everybody else, and uh, flew a couple red tails without much success, and uh, really didn't have much help. I lived up in the Four Corners then. We moved up to Farmington. And um, there were no falconers up there. But I found out about the New Mexico Falconers Association, so I'd come down to the annual meeting and get to know some guys, and then, uh, you know, things progressed from there. I'd go attend our meets. And back then, in the 80s and uh, early 90s, there were uh, more opportunities for uh, duck hawking, you know, back then the uh, ranchers had stock tanks and uh, where there were ducks and so we go down to Hatch and Silver City and, and uh, I'd watch these guys fly their birds and, and that's when, you know, I said, okay, maybe I haven't been successful so far, but I can be, I'm going to do this. Yeah, so you, uh, you're one of the guys then that, that kind of started off before there was much in the ways of, of regs and, and all that kind of stuff, or did you start off right after those got implemented? or Right after they got implemented, I think. Um, um, I know that one of my mentors was Jim Skidmore. He showed me how to fly a long wing and, and uh, you know, taught me the, his methods. And uh, he had one of the last passage peregrines that were taken before, you know, the regulations were implemented. And um, so uh, I guess after my red tails, um, I was able to get an IS Jersel Gosshawk. And um, that bird made me into a falconer so somehow i was able, i couldn't make a red tail click but that tersel goshawk and i had a got it together and uh i had a real successful uh, um, hunting experience with that bird we were able to take all, all the quarry that you know that you would expect with a goshawk 
Well, I imagine it's probably easier. I mean, with you know being in such wide open, you know, I'm sure back then with there being more game, either long wings or excipiters probably would be better in this state. I would I would imagine just because yeah. of the lack of trees and and stuff that you normally need a, a red tail to. Well, you know, not necessarily that you you can't hunt a red tail off the off the glove or whatever, but it's, you know, they, they shine their most, you know, with, when there's trees and, and right. stuff, at least in my opinion, but. Right. You can get some height. And, uh, so yeah, with that, uh, with that little goshawk, um, uh, Jeff Turner got me that bird. Uh, it was a silver city, uh, goshawk. And, um, which is what's, What's the right word for those birds? Apache goshawk. And uh, he was small, but uh, he would, I could tell, I took pheasants and ducks and magpies and crows, and rabbits, pigeons, everything he put in his way, he'd take a good shot at it. And so I was hooked in. Cool. So, I mean, have you? pretty much enjoyed uh flying long wings or exhibitors since then or have you had a preference or flown both or well um after that uh male goss and i got him as a very small downy i raised him up you know completely and so you know he was just all my bird no one had anything else to do with it i got a after uh after he passed, um, I got a couple of secondhand uh, female goshawks, and uh, they weren't as exceptional as he was. They were still good, and um, but then uh, I was ready to move on to long wings. You know, as I said, I I come down and watch the guys fly them down here, and I uh, fly ducks, and I was just man, I got to do that. And about that time, we discovered uh, uh, an area that we could fly in uh, the four corners. We had ponds and open country. And so now I had the opportunity and I had the quarry. So um, I started flying long wings. And um, first bird I got was a um peregrine prairie hybrid and i think i bought him for nine hundred dollars and i put my order in for a jur peregrine and at the last minute uh the guy said well sorry you know you're you know not the top of the list and this is the bird i have for you and so okay you know that's, that sounds good and uh, he was good. That was a that was a bird that was uh, I was able to train to go up relatively easily, and um, I trained it the way uh, that uh, Jim Skidmore taught me. You know, which was with uh, bag quarry to get mm -hmm. him started, chuckers and pheasants, pigeons, and uh, that bird. Uh, her name was Cloud. And uh, I named her Cloud because she was in the clouds, and I was so impressed with her. <laughs> so she was a thermal flying bird, and and uh, 
I remember that, you know, if you're going to set up your bagged uh, quarry and all your stuff, you know, you better have it set up and ready when you turn this bird loose because she would be up there fast. Mm -hmm. She was a thermal rider. And so I learned, you know, when to fly and late mornings and when we could catch the thermals. And uh, so I learned a lot from that bird. Lost her due to a uh, telemetry malfunction. That was really disappointing because, uh, you know, the story is I turned, I turned on the transmitter and my receiver, I got a beep. Mm -hmm. I'm good. Well, fl she flew off and then I have no signal. I found out, you know, few days later or a week later that I had a bad connection to my antenna. So up close, if you have a signal, the bird's out there, you don't. So unfortunately I lost her like that. Bummer. Yeah. And uh, so like I say, I really enjoyed her. And, uh, and then uh, I've just been so lucky in my falconry career of people giving me birds. <laughs> how's, yeah. how's, how's, how's that feel <laughs> well, it feels great you know it must and uh so a good my one of my best friends falconer friends and um from farmington he moved to uh san diego and while he was there he bought a jur falcon and uh the city was closing in on him and and he uh called me up and said hey greg I'm just scared I'm going to lose this bird. She flies big, and my fields aren't big enough. You want her? And so I said, yeah, heck yeah, I want her. <laughs> so I got a female jerk falcon, and um, she was an imprint of just the sweetest bird you've ever had. And to this day, I love, I'm a jerk falcon man through and through. I love jerk falcons. Yes. Do you have any issues keeping um, keeping jeer falcons down here? Mm, well, um, the heat, you know, hasn't really been an issue. Um, I mean, it, it is a bit of an issue, but it's not something that stops your success. Disease, you know, has, has been my biggest problem with jeer falcons. They have very little resistance, and if they get sick, you have three days or four days to get it fixed or they die and so yeah i know they're real prone to asper and stuff right yeah they're prone to asper they're prone they don't have resistance to anything practically so uh but anyway uh i i uh i really enjoy your falcon so um i don't think they're as usually i don't they're not as good a duck hawks as peregrines or peregrine hybrids but i have had them that are that yeah. fly just as high and, and uh you know we're, we're we're very excellent duck hawks so how many how many years were you in falconry before you actually you know started flying your your first year then and uh you know really just took to the uh to the long wing craze quite a while i mean I had, you know, my permit, um, so I know, I'd say, you know, six, seven years from the time I got my permit to where I started flying long wings. 
And um, anyway, uh, then, so that, uh, that Drew Falcon that I, I started flying her at Ducks and she was kind of a slow learner. It took us all season till she was, I would say she was a maid duck hawk, but she was at the end of the season. And um, I went to a lot of lengths to try to get her started. I bought bag mallards, you know, I had, uh, or, you know, they're flighted mallards that you could buy. And um, I was always very careful to be sneaky about throwing those out. So she didn't know that they were coming from me. So, you know, early on in the season, she thought she was, she thought she was killing ducks, mm -hmm. but she wasn't getting the wild ones, you know? Yeah. And uh, one of the things I've noticed about jerk falcons and ducks is that um, a jerk falcon, when it sees quarry flush, they're instantaneous after it. Where a, a good made peregrine or peregrine hybrid can say, I'm going to wait a little bit for these ducks to clear this lake. Because I know if I go down now, it's going to go back in the water. Yeah. Where I found my experience with the Jure Falcons is they can't wait. <laughs> Flushes, they're on it. Now, there's some circumstances when that's, that's great. You know, a lot, of, a lot of circumstances where that's great. But... On big water, uh, she had a that first bird had a hard time figuring that out, and it took her a while. So um, she was uh, that bird was just the sweetest, just like a puppy dog, you know, as tame as a puppy dog. And uh, she laid eggs for me. And she was really just an enjoyable bird to have around. No screaming, no mantling. They're easy. That's one of the things I like about your falcons is you can get an imprint and make it into a well-mannered bird without a lot of a lot of trouble. Just a little bit of common sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, imprinting is another one of those things. I don't you think that it's just that the opinions on them are just uh, the the whole process is just so susceptible from, or you know, it, it's it's all a matter of, of perception and it and it varies so differently from from falconer to falconer right and you know i'll be the first person to admit that i'm i'm not it's that's not really a process that's for me i think you're either so pro for it or so pro against it and there's not very much middle ground but i don't know have, is, is that what you found just talking um, to, to other guys well, i i think that's true with a lot of people it's not true with me um i i see the benefits of both birds or a passage or a, you know, a chamber bird or an imprint. Um, but I do think that jerk falcons are easier to make a well-mannered imprint than the others. Peregrines are difficult to man, you know, goshawks, they're gonna scream every time you get an imprint. You know, I, I haven't seen anybody that has an imprint goshawk that doesn't scream somewhat, you know. Mm -hmm. And mine did. But, uh, uh, see, then my same friend, Mike Photo, still my friend, calls me up. I still have this Jer Falcon. Her name was Dancer. 
And he says, Greg, I got a beautiful Chur Peregrine female. You want to fly her for me? Sure. And he'd started this bird. And uh, Mike, uh, the way he the way he trains his long wings is uh, pretty wild and free. He lets them go and just lets them go. He lets them fly around and learn how to, you know, uh, catch thermals. And uh, he's... He's not one of these guys that pulls out the lure when he sees that bird disappear from sight. Mm. So he does a good job getting them started. And uh, so when I got this bird, it was already flying high. But he didn't have the quarry for it, or he didn't have the quarry in a place that he felt safe to fly. So she was a really uh, aggressive, once, you know, once she learned the trade, of duck hawking, really aggressive, really um, tactical bird. And she was just a dominating force. You put her up over a pond and those ducks better act like they're scared. <laughs> they take off, yeah, geese, didn't matter. Geese would take off and just fly away like, oh, I'm not afraid of you. He says, no, nah, it's not going to stand. <laughs> You're going to be afraid here in a second. Yeah. <laughs> and she would go down and she would knock those geese down. She didn't take very many, but she, would, she wouldn't let them get away with flying under her. Nothing's going to fly under her. That, that's any type of quarry. Yeah. And she was a, you know, just a high-flying like I say, just dominating bird. Didn't matter if it's big water. I love. Uh, I could put her up on a, on a big, you know, a fairly big pond or you know small lake, and you could just pull out your easy chair, and sit there and watch for 45 minutes, or an hour while she flew those birds, because on a on big water uh, at that time we had a we had some places where. You know, the ducks were just coming in and going, even if there is a falcon in the air, because the water was big and they, you know, I can, I can sneak past this. Besides that, there's a hundred other ducks in the air, you know, and it's, they weren't personally so, you know, it's like, I'm not the only duck here, so I can make it. So I'd have these great flights that would go on for, like I say, quite some time and I could just sit back and watch. Didn't have to flush. Just sit there with the binoculars and watch her go. Well, that's cool. To yeah. me, that was that was like the best falconry I've ever had. Hmm. Well, and so I mean, do you, do you prefer still to this day? I mean, do you prefer hybrids over just straight gears? Or I mean, what is do you do you think that there's a a, a big contrast in in the imprinting process, at least from your your point of view or your opinion that it's different? Um, I mean, or do you think that pretty much most of these birds that have any kind of jeer in it are, are easier to, to imprint like a, like a full jeer? Do you think it's completely different or? Um, well, I guess I'm not sure about that. I, I think the full jeers are um, easier to imprint 
Um, I mean, it's easier to have a well-mannered imprint with a, with a Folger or Falcon. Now, I, it depends on, I think you asked me what if I preferred pure jurors or jur hybrids. It depends on what I'm doing. Right. So if I'm flying hares or jackrabbits, which is what I do now, um, there's not a lot of difference between a, uh, a pure jur or and a jur saker, you know, or a jur prairie. Uh, they're all big enough, strong enough. The females, for sure, are all big enough, strong enough to do the job. And they all, you know, have the instinct to go for them. I haven't had much trouble trying to enter that type of bird on on the jackrabbits. And um, so, anyway, that's my opinion, is that uh, for, for uh, hares, you know, I love to have jur falcon in the. I like to have a pure or a partial or a hybrid jur falcon. I can I can understand that mainly because the size. The size. Yeah, mm -hmm. the size would be key for that, especially if you're on jackrabbits for sure. Yeah. But no, I was just like I said, I'm not. And just to be clear, I'm not. Uh, you know, saying that once again, anybody should, you know, have a necessarily one opinion versus the other as far as what to what to do and how to imprint or anything like that. I'm just curious because I, that's a different point of view that I've, that I've heard before. I've not really heard many guys say, well, or, you know, make a, make a statement before that, you know, full, you know, pure jeers are easier to imprint versus other types of birds or, or why. So, mm -hmm. you know, well, what, I mean, what do you think of, uh, is it is exactly about their, their personality that makes them easier to, to do that with um, I don't know maybe because uh, they got a bigger brain um, they're smart and um, but I, I don't know I, I think they're just uh, I don't know why why they're easier really other than intelligence and the the, the crazy thing is that the there's so much difference between a you know, an imprint jur falcon and a passage or a chamber. You know, a chamber jur falcon is a nervous bird. And, you know, they'll, um, you have to treat them like a wild bird. And um, the imprints just tame down so much that uh, they're really, a, you know, a, for me, they're a joy to be around. Both of them are. But, um, but as far as, you know, if you're flying ducks or grouse, you're better, in my opinion, you're better off to have a, a peregrine or a, or a, you know, peregrine, your peregrine hybrid. It'll be easier. That makes sense. You can still do it with a pure jur falcon. Plenty of people have, and um, I have, but I think your odds of success are better when you've got that peregrine blood in there. They just yeah. go up naturally. I've heard that from multiple people also. But yeah. so I mean, you uh, you're not really doing waterfowl quite as much. Then you're doing more more jackrabbits. No, or? no. So you know, when I moved uh, from the Four Corners Farmington area to Albuquerque, I don't know, 
15, 16 years ago, um, you know, the duck hawking here in Albuquerque is not good. Mm -hmm. And there's practically no pheasants in hawkable areas. Uh, so hey, I'm a long winger, and I'm wondering what I'm going to do now. And, you know, I, I could go back. I could get a goshawk. I like goshawks. Harris hawks don't make, don't do it for me. <laughs> I've never had one, never will. And, um, but anyway, so I get here to Albuquerque and uh, I go to the uh, meeting and I meet my now good friend, uh, then I didn't know him, was Terrence Wright. And Terrence, uh, he's alias the dirt winger. And he, I got to know him, and he told me that, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm running uh, coursing hounds and falcons on jackrabbits. And he said, you want to go check it out? And I said, yeah, I'd love to go check it out. Because as a little boy, my dad lived in Kansas, and he would tell me stories about coursing coyotes with greyhounds and wolfhounds and, you know, coursing dogs. So, you know, that always uh, interested me. Never seen it, never been around a greyhound or Saluki before. So Terrence took me out and uh, with his team and um, right away, I said, yeah, this is cool. I love, I love the dogs because they're mellow, they're calm. Um, but when it's time to go to work, they're on it, you know. And uh, he didn't, you know, I was, I was kind of shocked. Well, what happens when the falcon catches it and the dogs get there? You know, it looks like conflict to me. Mm -hmm. And he said, well... You know, they learn, the dogs learn to, to let the falcon have the rabbit, you know. And so I went out with Terrence for a, a season and watched him and uh, just loved it. You know, like I said, I love the dogs. I love to watch the falcons. And uh, at that time, I think Terrence had a male uh, juror peregrine and um, not a large bird. And he was he was taking game with that small falcon, seven eight I don't know seven eight hundred grams you know not small but for jackrabbits it's small, and so uh, I uh, got on the horn and ordered myself a jersaker uh, uh, from Danny Ertzgarten, Pacific Northwest Falcons, and he sent me a he sent me a white jersaker, and. Um, And that bird uh, was fairly easy to get started. You know, I didn't know if it was going to be hard to do or what. But, uh, oh, I also, of course, I got the falcon. Then I got a couple of uh, coursing hounds. One was uh, like a stag hound, which is a mix of greyhound, wolfhound, or deerhound, you know, he looked kind of like a, he looked like a greyhound, but you don't really know exactly what they are. And these these dogs are common in the West, you know, Kansas, Oklahoma, Texas, uh, 
New Mexico, Arizona, they have they have these stag hounds and they're usually used for coyotes. So um fairly easy to come by in these parts. So I got one of those. And then uh, Stephen Bodio, the author and falconer, uh, at that time came back uh, from uh, the Middle East, Kazakhstan. And he brought um, Tazis with him. So he was raising Tazis. So I, I went down there to Magdalena where he lived and met Steve and picked up the Tazi pup from him. So I had a Tazi mm -hmm. and a little stag hound. And so, and the new, and the new Jersaker and uh, it wasn't that difficult for me to get things going and to, to be successful with my first team. Well, with Terrence's help. That's neat. I, I haven't really gotten a chance to talk to too many guys that are doing large falcons on on uh, rabbits before. So this is pretty interesting to me because, that I mean, honestly, I, I love long wings. And I'm a big long wing fan, obviously. But where I'm at isn't super conducive to long wings. It could be done but it would be a lot harder and you wouldn't get near as many head a game. But, you know, I've, I've always been interested to hear, you know, I mean, I've, I've heard of some people trying, you know, for example, like prairies on cottontails or, um, you know, like what you're doing jeers on, on jackrabbits and things like that. But I've, I've not really heard too much about the process or, you know, how, like what the flight style's like, um, you know, like if it's, really important to have a team you know with dog and falcon or if it can be done with just the falcon or you know whatever the case may be so weigh on weigh in on that some because i i really want to learn more about this one of the things that that a lot of people don't understand is why you need the dogs and uh, the reason is is because when a jackrabbit sees a large falcon chasing it first thing it wants to do is hide and so without the dogs you don't get a good flight you get a jackrabbit that's running slow running in the bush running in the choya cactus um, the falcon never gets up to speed and that's why people say well why would you hunt rabbits with a falcon because that's what happens. Now, when you put the dog or dogs in the mix, that jackrabbit is forced to run as fast as he can. <laughs> because, you know, a greyhound or a saluki or a staghound or a coursing hound can catch him by himself. And so that jackrabbit has to run as fast as it can to get away from those dogs. And now you have a high-speed quarry that's motivated to run for his life as fast as he can. And so now you've got quarry that's running 35, 40 miles an hour. And you get um, 
a flight suitable to a Falcon, in my opinion. Typically, uh, the way the Falcon will fly a hair is you will have multiple stoops. So, um, but typically, this is what I do. I walk out on the on the field. I want to get a field that's relatively open, relatively flat, with jackrabbits in it. Um, it doesn't have to be, you know, completely flat, or it doesn't have to be there. There can be cover, but it needs to be fairly open. So. The falcon has a chance to get a a strike in on the on the jack, and so anyway, I'll walk along. I'll have my bird hooded, usually, and uh, on the fist, and have the dogs out walking free, looking for a jackrabbit. So walk along, jackrabbit breaks cover. The dogs are typically on it immediately if they see it, and then um, strike the hood. A made bird is just off the fist instantly, just like pulling the trigger. Sees that jack run and he is off. So uh, he'll, the bird will, you know, get uh, gain altitude, you know, uh, usually not very high, maybe 40, 50 feet. He'll put in his first stoop. Try to strike the rabbit or bind to it. If he misses, just throws up, does it again and again. So these flights can go a long ways. I was getting ready to say that sounds like a, a, a lot of running. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a uh, lot of walking and it's a lot of running. And, um, you know, if you can do it on horseback, that's the ultimate. That's the way to go. But um, I don't have a horse, you know, I've done it on horseback several times, but I don't have a horse, so I'm out there on foot. But, um, yeah, so, you know, the, the falcon will either, um, depending on how sharp it is, if you have a bird that's not too sharp, well, this flight can go on for two miles until he finally decides he wants to grab it. <laughs> so that's that's a you know motivation to get your bird a little bit right when you go out there. Uh, sometimes the flight can go 200 yards, take them down, and first the first you know stoop and it's over. But usually you got a quarter mile, half mile, three quarter mile flight. And uh, you get to watch, you know, the multiple stoops. And, uh, you know, to me, the, the perfect flight is when the falcon strikes the jackrabbit and he'll just roll them head over heels. The dogs run in behind it. They grab it. They kill it. The falcon binds to it and the dogs back off. No fuss, no muss, no broken feathers. Just whack, and uh, that's it. Wow. In theory, that sounds amazing when it all goes right. <laughs> I mean, I, I, well, I mean, I, I, I'm sure it's not like, not unlike much else. I mean, there's always room for, 
for error for sure. But oh yeah, sounds to me like you need to be getting you an ATV or something. <laughs> well, here here's I'm thinking about uh, going with an electric bicycle. Okay, yeah. Uh, mountain bike. Yeah, yeah, those are so, becoming more popular. Yeah, yeah. they're they're pretty cool. So. Uh, my wife gave me the okie dokie, so I'm shopping for an electric bike. <laughs> I'm gonna be able, maybe uh, if I can make that work, that'll that'll be a little bit easier to keep up with things. And the other, you know, the one of the drawbacks of this flight is, at least in the Albuquerque area, is um, it's dangerous for the Falcon, and the danger is the coyotes. Mm -hmm. You know. It, other other hawks and eagles, yes, but um, the coyotes are the real danger, especially around Albuquerque, because they're urban coyotes. They see people all the time. Not afraid. They're not afraid of you. Yeah. So, um, but the dogs offer protection. So if the dogs are there, the coyotes can't come in on the. They can't come in on the kill, but. If the flight went two miles, or a mile and a half, well, that's gonna take me 20 minutes to get there, 15 minutes. By then the dogs are rested up and they're coming back looking for me. They'll stay there for 10 or 15 minutes with the bird. But after that, they, they come looking for me. So that's the period of time that the bird's on its own, and so that's, uh, we've lost some birds that way, the coyotes here. Yeah, I'm sure that's rough. Yeah. Yeah, I I couldn't imagine, you know, I don't know. Like, <laughs> it, it would be tough making in for 15 to 20 minutes just to find a pile of feathers at the end of the, at the, end of the road. Yeah, it's, but, it's pretty tough. It's, yeah. uh, so, um, but, you know, over the years, I've, I've, uh, been able to shorten those flights by um, flying on the right ground and flying with a bird that's at the right weight and sharp so that she's not just playing. Right. Because the, uh, I, that's the thing, another thing about your falcons, it's not so good, is they love to play. So they're, they'll chase a jackrabbit, I don't care how fat they are, you know, once they're made to it. Mm -hmm. Now, Catching it, no, you know, but I'll, I'll, play, I'll chase that thing all over the world. <laughs> so anyway, I, I've made some progress on that, but still that's, you know, that's one of the downfalls of the flight is that uh, there's that danger from predators. But uh, I have uh, really good dogs right now. And uh, my male dog, he is just so loyal and uh, so uh, protective. He protects the bird, but really, in my opinion, what he's doing is he's, even though the bird has the hair and is eating it, he still thinks it's his. He lays down by the bird, no other dog gets to come within 20 feet. So my other dog has to stay back 20 feet. If I have friends that come with me, sometimes I'll let a friend run his dog with my, with, with my team. That dog learns pretty quick. <laughs> you, you don't get close to the rabbit. 
Dog dominant, huh? Yeah. No, yeah. Old, old Ragnar will kick your ass. <laughs> <laughs> so he's really, he doesn't let, you know, uh, red tail, any birds come in, raptors, coyotes, strange dogs. He protects it as long as he's there. So I'm really lucky to have that dog. And he's what's called a lurcher. A lurcher is a cross between a coursing hound and a working dog. Could be, uh, you know, working dogs are bird dogs. Um, Border Collies. So uh, this particular dog is a mix of uh, Staghound and it's got a little bit of Pointer, English Pointer. Hmm. And, uh, and that Pointer blood in him, uh, he, he hunts differently than the straight coursing hounds. Straight coursing hound will walk along and he'll stop and he'll look. And they're called, another word for them is gaze hounds because they stand there and they gaze out across the vista looking for something to run, to move. And they're very good at that. But a lot of times they'll just walk along with you, just looking, hoping a jackrabbit will jump up and they'll see it. Where uh, Ragnar, the the uh, lurcher, he gets out and quarters back and forth like a pointer. So he runs and runs and just covers so much ground that he puts up more jackrabbits than the standard coursing hound does. So he's a, he's a, I was lucky to get that dog. I really wasn't, he was like the last choice. That's not what I want. I want, you know, I want just a pure coursing hound, not necessarily a pure breed but yeah you know saluki greyhound saluki tazi something like that yeah it's nice when you get those pleasant surprises either from a dog or a bird you know and it's <laughs> when you end up with with a uh a, one of those diamonds in the rough that you would have never expected right you know that's um it's hard to hard to replace those birds and or dogs and Sometimes I've noticed that it's uh, it's it's hard to not get more sentimental at times about those particular animals than yep. than the ones that you thought that you wanted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But well, I mean, that's I'm I'm glad that you shared some of that. I've always wondered about that whole that whole process. You know, I've heard people just you know. And kind of talk about it in passing, but I've never really had a chance to really hear it described. So thanks for sharing that. But I mean, at this point, I think this would be a, a good time for you to share one of your favorite, you know, stories about, you know, flight or uh, previous bird or dog or combination or, um, you know, something that uh, sticks out in your mind. Okay. Yeah. Um, Something that I haven't mentioned yet is that you can fly a falcon from the waiting on position on jackrabbits. Okay. And uh, the uh, second bird I got was given to me by a gentleman that I didn't even know. 
And this bird was already uh, trained to wait on. White jerseaker, female, beautiful bird. And uh, the guy was trying to do the flight that I was doing. And uh, anyway, he, dog got hit by a train and uh, got too busy at work and heard about me, gave me the bird. So anyway, I, I get end up with this bird that waits on. And uh, I'll tell you a flight that I really enjoyed with that bird. And that is uh, uh, Terrence and I were out in uh, um, Las Lunas. We have a we have a nice big wide open field there, and uh, put the bird up. She circles and circles, and uh, she wasn't super high. I'd say probably. Uh, six seven hundred feet but a nice pitch and we're walking along and just perfectly the dogs bump a jackrabbit and with the bird straight above and as you can imagine it was just uh, a direct stoop with the bird pumping this particular bird her style was she'd do three wing beats, fold up her wings, three wing beats, fold up her wings, and just wasn't satisfied with just pulling, tucking them in, she wanted to go faster. So she'd put on the gas by tucking, by you know flapping her wings while she's going down. And uh, she just rolled that jackrabbit perfectly and never got up. So, and the dogs were right there. So that was, Terrence and I were slapping each other on the back for that one. That was a beauty. It it always astounds me how these birds don't kill themselves with a strike, you know, even just on waterfowl or grouse, whatever, you know, flying mm -hmm. quarry. It's blowing it's kind of blowing my mind a little bit how they aren't just plummeting into the ground on something like a jackrabbit. I mean that that's amazing. I um it's something that it's now after having this discussion, I feel like I it's going to be a bucket list goal to to see it sometime because I, uh, yeah, I I want to see how these birds. I mean, obviously they're master flyers; they probably pull up at the last second. I mean, they have to, or else they just plummet right into the ground. You know, duh. But it it just it. <laughs> I want to see it. Like I yeah. want to see this now. Well, good. I'm glad you're interested. I, you know, I wish uh, more people knew about it. Um, because, you know, it gives you the opportunity of like, well, gee, yeah, I'd love to have a big falcon, but what do I need a big falcon for? Mm -hmm. You know, you don't need a big falcon for 90% of falconry. Yeah. But in this case, it's an advantage. Now, you can do it with a, with a, a prairie falcon. The bird the size of a prairie falcon and, and particularly prairie falcons uh, they do it naturally. They kill jacks naturally. And prairie falcons are about the hardest striking bird I've ever seen. And um, Terrence has flown a, a couple of prairies. And I've seen his prairie falcons just headshot these jackrabbits. And they're just dead. <laughs> on. They just wow. roll over dead and uh, when they hit them. So... You don't have to have a big falcon, but it's a good 
it's a good excuse to have one. You can put one to work. You know, I, I love, you know, that's, I like big Falcons. Well, and if, if there's one thing in the world that Falconers need more of, it's excuses, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's all around. Yeah, and if you don't have, like me, you don't have ducks, you don't have grouse, you know, well, what are you going to do? What do you need a falcon for? Well, if you have jackrabbits, you've got quarry, if you like that flight. And I, I've had, um, you know, you know, these old grouse hawkers and long wingers, tell them, I tell them what I'm doing and they give me that look like, well, but why? <laughs> why not? Why would you want to do that? Yeah. And I tell them, well, if you saw it, you'd know why. Yeah. You haven't seen it. You don't know why. Mm-hmm. So don't give me that look. <laughs> Oh, that's that's great. Now, I'll tell you. A, I'll tell you a typical flight off the fist. I'll tell you a story about a good flight off the fist. So, uh, one time, uh, I was out with uh, Jake and Cisco. There was the that's the Tazi and the and the uh, little uh, black staghound looks like a greyhound. And we're walking along. And this is late in the season, so all the dumb jacks are dead. And we're walking along, and instead of flushing it out in front, this one waits till we go by, oh. about 15 yards, and shoots out the back. Try the back door, yeah. yeah. Yep, so I spin around and unhood the bird, and I'm yelling, ho, ho, and the bird goes straight for it, but the dogs are going the wrong way. <laughs> if you, you know, when I yell, ho, ho, and I scream it, the dogs get so excited, sometimes they just run. They're just like, I'm pointed this way. I know there's a rabbit out there. So anyway, in this particular flight, the dogs are going the wrong way. The bird's hot on the trail. But finally, you know, they, they're doing a, a big loop, say a quarter of a mile out there, and they're starting to about a half circle back towards me, and then the dog, I'm yelling and screaming at the dogs to turn around and look the right way. So they do. So now, the falcon and the dog and the jackrabbit and the dogs are are headed straight for each other. <laughs> Head on collision. They're on a collision course. So things are happening quick. So uh, the dog, my little black dog, he, he takes a bite at this jackrabbit going the opposite direction. Jackrabbit jumps up in the air, leaps over the dog, and is headed up right next to me. This Now everything's right in front of me. <laughs> Falcon goes zooming past, knocks it down, and uh, jackrabbit gets back up, but it didn't make it more than like 10 yards and the dogs were right there and caught it so wow that was that was a lot of fun that one to see that jackrabbit jump right next to me over the dogs i'm like (laughs) i'm cheering for the jackrabbit now it's like go baby go well i mean you have to you have to admire anything that just has that i mean because you gotta know what's going through that, that jackrabbit's head at that point in time is just like how how can 
any higher power in this world hate me any more than humanly possible <laughs> yeah. right right now i've got dogs headed towards me i got a falcon at my back like yeah. how how could this be any worse for me right now yeah it's a bad day <laughs> wow. for the jackrabbit well i mean at least that was probably your shortest retrieve that you probably ever had to do yeah i didn't have to run far <laughs> for that one <laughs> that's awesome well thank you for sharing all that and i think that's probably a, a really good note to to just about end on to okay. be honest um is there anything else that you want to give a, a shout out to or any, uh, you know, last uh, last bit of imparting wisdom or anything? Oh, um, yeah, I would say that um, if anybody's interested in this flight, uh, I did an article uh, in the journal last year. So you could read that article and learn a little bit more about it. Awesome. Okay, well, I'll have to read that too. I'm interested, so... Very cool. Well, thank you again for, for making the trek out here and uh, for giving me almost an hour of your time now. It's, I know it's an hour of your life that you'll never get back, but, you know. <laughs> You're sure welcome. I had uh, plenty of fun doing it. So All thank right. you very much. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. We'll talk soon. <laughs>